At Lanier College, they have the finest security, the best teacher-student relations. No fraternity hazing. Strictly enforced curfews. And a killer. He's come back. Final exam. When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths? There's a murderer around campus killing people. Some may pass the test. Lisa! God help. Rest. Welcome to Definitely First Blood. I'm Mitch. And I'm Christopher. And we are a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror movies of the 70s, 80s, 90s. Sometimes we make a foray into the uh, aughts, but we try not to get there too much. (laughs) Anyways, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm also fine. Trying as well. to deal with the extreme heat wave we're having here, yeah, which really sucks. It really It's actually sucks. making recording this unbearable. The studio is a sweltering degrees despite the air conditioning. So yeah, because we have to turn it off when we record. So it's very loud. We're sequestered in a bedroom that we deem to be the most chill. The summer studio, and we're stuck in here with two rambunctious producers yeah they're making recording this real easy thanks guys tonight we are talking about a classic film from the 80s 1981 to be precise final exam yes before we do that though i do just want to talk about a couple things first sure um, so I just wanted to give a shout out and a thank you to the DMK blog that posted us in our Night of the Comet episode because that was really awesome awesome of them. Yeah, thanks guys. And then this past week we've had a couple people repost the I Know What You Did Last Summer posters that we made on Instagram and it was pretty rad that people liked that so much. And we did get a couple questions about maybe... Uh, buying prints mm-hmm. of it and it's something that we'll definitely look into but in terms of legality and copyright uh, there is a lot of stuff involving intellectual property and fan art so as it stands um, the posters that are probably most likely to be able to be sold would be the Mothman Prophecies mm-hmm. and Slumber Party Massacre and Opera because they don't actually include any images from the actual movie yeah. itself. So um, we'll definitely look into it and we will 
keep updating our Twitter or Instagram when we know more. But as it stands, that's sort of where we're at with that. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Gotta walk the straight and narrow in these intellectually property times. Indeed. Yeah, man. Um, But yeah, so we can just uh, start talking about the movie then. Yeah. As Mitch said, we are talking about 1981's... Final exam. Final exam. MPI presents... MPM. Sorry, (laughs) excuse me. Excuse me. To the folks at MPI. Written and directed by Mr. Houston. Uh, this was really his only big cred in terms of directing. He did write Running Scared, oh. which is was a popular movie at the time. But other than that, though that's really the case with most people from this movie, unfortunately, they this was it, or they did a couple TV things. Hey man, sometimes the brightest stars burn the briefest. The most successful is definitely the actor who plays um, Radish. He's like a pretty big TV producer. He does a lot of those like Hallmark Lifetime Channel movies. Oh, nice. Yeah, so. I feel like that's the nine to five job of the entertainment world. You just press out another holiday mad libs every year <laughs> jody arias special every once in a while every once in a while yeah it's a steady and probably lucrative paycheck so good on ya if you're listening mr radish he's not listening unfortunately he does not like horror movies so there's 100 percent no chance he's listening to this nice nice okay well then fuck you sorry <laughs> to say i know you like to really plug those emails yeah definitely but anyway, we open on a uh, early summer evening. Romantic liaison. Uh, it's midnight o'clock at March College Ooh. in North Carolina. Dead noon. Uh, where we have two young lovers making out in a car, despite her objections because she hates this guy's car. And she is trying to like get get the goods from him and ask if she or if he loves her yeah do you love me but he is really reluctant to say it and he never actually does say it uh no he doesn't do you love me do you love me hey i'm out with you aren't i yeah but you've been out with lots of girls and you didn't love all of them oh that was different but do you love me? Of course I do. She says, don't you love me? And he says, of course I do. But uh, he doesn't nice. ever explicitly say Articulate it. So. it. And he is doing the usual asshole thing of trying to wear her down into having kissing with him or whatever it is you do in the car. Yep. And I've never seen it in person, thank God. They hear a sound, and there's the car shakes. They the dude shakes the car, mm-hmm. and he thinks that it's just another one of the members of the football team because, as he says, they're just jealous of their quarterback. Yeah, frustrated jocks. And then the roof rips open, and yeah. our maniac is upon them. He's very strong because he lifts the dude straight out of. 
the ripped hole. Yeah. And then starts stabbing him the on the hood of the car. The dude wants to get up there. And then he gets ripped up through the ceiling. All the while, his girlfriend is screaming. Yeah. Bloody murder. Which we is don't what see it is. her die, but... We know she does. Presumably. And then we cut to... Or she dies of shame for being in that car. <laughs> Sorry. We cut to... So we cut to Lanier College, and we're way up in the top of a tower in this weird dorm building, which is an actual hall mm-hmm. on Limestone College. It's called Winnie Davis Hall. It's a good name. It's a solid name. It's yeah. a, a three... Three named name. It's named after the president's youngest daughter. I like it. The inventor of halls. The cough drop. Just kidding. Anyways. Up in this tower, we have Courtney, who we will soon meet further as she's going to be with us for this whole wild and wacky ride that is final exam. Yeah. We get a brief little shot, uh, an interlude, if you will, outside of two of our supporting characters. One who's more of a uh, supporting and the other one's Mm -hmm. like a tertiary character. So it's Janet and Elizabeth. And Janet is talking to Elizabeth about how she hates history. Definitely. And she's bummed because she spent the night presumably macking out with her boyfriend, Gary. So she had to borrow some other girl's clothes. Ooh, ouch. And now all that's history. (laughs) <laughs> and meanwhile we have the other two yeah courtney has uh made her way down from up top mm-hmm. and she has also left the building and she runs into our one of our male leads mark and they start talking about the exam that they're both going to the chemistry exam what do i have to take chemistry for anyway i'm going into advertising yeah i know well that is a problem with education they do keep trying to teach you all that stuff. Yeah, like chemistry. And he needs to get an 82% on, on it. The course. And if I don't pass the course, my parents stop making the payments on my car. His Daddy's going to stop paying for his car, and he would have to walk. I mean, this is serious. And he's really upset about that. And he's he makes sure it's to underline it. It's extremely serious that this is going to happen. So he needs to secure that 82 the two of them get intercepted while they're walking t- by Radish, mm-hmm. who is also going to the same chemistry exam. And he's telling them about the murders that happened the previous night at March College. Did you hear what happened at March College? Hi, Radish. Hi. Oh, what happened at March College? Another football recruiting scandal? No, better. A mass murderer. Two kids were snuffed while parking at the lake. Oh, how horrible. I know. Oh, That's you awful. call that a mass murderer? Two lousy people? I call that a piker. Well, it's a small school. You have to enter that into the equation. And he even links them to other killings in Vermont. He's pretty excited about it. Yeah. He's titillated. He he and Mark are really riffing off this. Mm -hmm. And Courtney is a little off-put by it. She thinks they're a bunch of wieners. They do this line about... Radish calls it a mass murder. Mm -hmm. And Mark is like, oh, well, it was only two people. Yeah, but it was a small town, so proportionately. And that's pretty much directly referenced in Scream as well. Oh, really? It's like, oh, it's a mass murderer. Well, technically, he has to knock off a couple more before. Nice. I like or a serial it. killer or something like that. I like yeah. it. Echoes of the past. 
Yeah, well, it gets referenced lots in Scream, actually. Like, it's one of like the movies it. that Randy specifically calls out. Mm, good. Uh, they also make a joke about how this, it was the star football player from their college that was murdered. Yeah. So it's going to be really easy to beat them this year. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Just as they're arriving to class, uh, our dumb jock character, Wild Man, approaches and knocks the books from Radish's hands. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to be malicious. Radish isn't upset by it. He's smiling the whole time while he picks them up. It's great. You know, I love it when people do that to me. Well, I think it's like a joke. And uh, we also get this shot of a sinister black van lurking around the campus. It's high on its springs. Yep. Yeah, it's like the A-Team van, but without (laughs) any of the A-Team detailing. Yes, as we will soon learn, we have two vans uh, skulking around. We have a black mysterious van and a brown mysterious van. Yeah. The students have all arrived to write their exam, and we meet their teacher, who's giving like a a Joshin Goodwill Hunting style. Oh, that's a great uh, reference! Yeah, speech to the class, and he says he's got a sniper waiting in the wings if any of them are caught cheating. Yep. And Radish uh, immediately catches the reference to Whitman. Yeah, he's... Whitmore. Charles Whitman? Whitman. Whitman? I think Whitman's right. You mean Charles Whitman, one of my favorites. And he's anxious to bag a few students on his own. Are there any questions? He was a real craftsman, an excellent shot. And he played it out to the bitter end. This guy was dropping people from blocks. I hate to interrupt you on such a lovely note. But back to business. Because he loves serial murder he loves crime and true crime he i mean this is 1980 when this was shot so we're like he's got a whole new world about to open up and that young man to grew grew up to become the mindhunterguy.com (laughs) no i have no idea wasn't that in the 60s it was he went back in time it's very complicated and then eventually he went forward in time became gil grissom I like um, the whole Radish character because he's essentially uh, Randy from Scream. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a it's a very resonant character. Yeah, I think I think Randy is an obvious reference to Radish as well. And this movie is kind of um, I would compare it to Scream in that this is if Meta were talking about real life crime and not just in movie references. Yeah, because. A lot of the time he's referencing like these real life crimes that had happened and these real psychopaths. So I think there's some parallels to draw there. Ripped from the headlines. And this was 81. Like when did, when was uh, Black Christmas out? 74. So there probably wasn't like even enough of a slasher canon established. No, this was like first wave uh following halloween yeah so there wasn't even anything to be meta about which is great Uh, there kind of was i feel like they really acknowledged some cliches because don't forget there were also like yellows and like the texas chainsaw massacre stuff like that Uh, a lot of like in the 70s there were they weren't slasher movies but there were like horror movies in which people died which they were cut up but anyway the professor 
walks off and he meets up with another one of our lead characters, mm-hmm. the beautiful Lisa. Yes. And uh and Lisa's like, Oh, what would you be doing if you weren't a professor? Or no, why do you why are you a professor if you hate it so much? And he says something like, Well, all the young women to woo They smooch because as I guess is obvious they are having an affair mm-hmm. and she's really shit talking his wife and saying stuff like, Oh, you want some firm flesh? Your wife's almost thirty. Yikes. Yikes. And presumably he's even older than that. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah. But they arrange to meet for a rendezvous a later night that camp. night. Yeah. Uh, out in the dark. While our other kids are writing their exam, we get a POV shot of a van driving up to the school. We can see that it's got multiple people in it, and we see the silhouettes of guns. Radish finishes up his exam first, just as everybody's groaning, and he says he, he can't help it. Yeah, he's a genius. Wild Man finishes, well, he doesn't finish. He gives up at the same time. Hands and it in. they both leave, but not before Wild Man burps loudly and then like blows it in his face. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Wow, I missed all these beautiful subtleties of this movie. Wild Man is a truly disgusting person. <laughs> while they're walking away, uh, specifically while Wild Man is walking away, the coach oddly tackles him like, from behind. Like he's hiding behind a tree yeah. and like giddily tackles him. Trying to keep him on his toes. Beats the shit out of him a little bit, but not actually. It's very bizarre. Radish joins the two of them and he tells, uh, or he's told by the coach that he has to do his inventory. Mm-hmm. So presumably he's associated with the sports team's through inventory management. Yeah, some sort of sports managerial role. Yeah. Lisa and Courtney have also exited the building. And this is when we get what would be an extremely spicy scene in today's world. I feel like it was still spicy then, but nowhere near as spicy it is now because we get men in ski masks with AR-15s pouring out of the van to shoot students mingling in the quad willy-nilly as everyone is screaming for their lives and hiding yeah, behind cars. We get a couple people, notably men, yeah, uh, who go down. They get presumably shot. But while all of this chaos is unfolding, we have Mark inside the exam room and he pulls out a red pen and marks the first page of his sheet and gives himself an 82. Exactly what he needs. Exact mark he needs. And then sticks it at the bottom of the pile of papers that were already graded. Because the TAs are not looking at all. They're too busy watching the mass murder outside. The shooters are collecting the bodies that they've shot and shot and shot just shot Shot. the shooters are collecting the bodies and they stick them in the van and drive off as you do radish in a panic goes and he calls the police what an idiot this is lanier college calling there's been a multiple shooting on the campus quadrangle sir 
Listen, several students have been shot and kidnapped in a brown van. You've got to get out of here. It's happening. The psychopaths are here. Like he's been expecting this this whole time. The uh, van pulls away and we see, essentially at this point, we know it's a prank. Uh, Elizabeth comes along and she's freaking out, but Courtney and Lisa are laughing. Yeah, like they like, don't oh, really care. That's Wild Man's Van or something like that. Yeah, Courtney says that she saw a sticker for the Gamma Fraternity on the back window. And can I just say, there was no sticker on the back window, but it doesn't really matter. Because it was the Gamma Fraternity. It was there in spirit. And they are very pleased with this prank that they've just They're pulled They're high-fiving. I think they go off to have beers or something. They love themselves and this prank. And nothing has gone wrong. Their Archduke Mark was able to cheat on his test. And that's a mission accomplished for these guys, man. Yep. Lisa and Courtney are going for lunch, and they're being followed by the mysterious black van. Yeah, not the brown van from earlier. They grab their food, and they're joined by Mark, who asks if they went to the shooting earlier. Ha ha, like it's an event. So they know, obviously, that he was behind it. Mm -hmm. May I just say this cafeteria is extremely cavernous, and baroque but also extremely cheap those are like the worst they're the brown plastic fold-up tables yeah man no thanks exactly that's what i would say he tries to hit on uh lisa but she's not really accepting his advances yeah as we know she's currently the other woman for someone else so yeah. she's a little bit busy uh She's got a marriage to ruin. Yeah. Janet shows up with her boyfriend, or who we presume to be her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. Gary. And Mark asks that he and Gary speak outside because Gary is a pledge. At the Gamma House. As you can see from his Gamma House football shirt that he wears throughout the rest of the movie. While uh, they're gone, Lisa tells Janet that... She doesn't have to fall in love with someone to get a kiss because Janet is quite obviously enamored with Gary. So we're sort of getting that this is probably something that she does quite often. Yeah. Outside, Mark is trying to peer pressure Gary into stealing a test for them from one of the professors because he says that it's something that they've all done. And he's been chosen for this special task. Yeah, some, one pledge is chosen every year. And all he has to do is crawl over a door and, and steal it. And naturally, Gary's like, hey, I'd rather not be expelled. Yeah. But um, Wild Man shows up. And then yeah. it's two against one, so he caves to the pressure. So he heads back inside. And then there's one of the weirdest interactions that I can think of from any movie. Oh, definitely. And... Janet is talking with Courtney, and she says, I should have had a salad instead of this spaghetti. Well, why didn't you? And we never get an answer, because at that moment, Gary comes in and kisses her, and she doesn't give an answer. Why didn't she just get, oh, oh, why? shit. You know what? Tell me. I just, I made a mental note when we were watching it, when they were picking their food. I was like, oh. I mean, I guess they could only afford one salad to, like, put on display. 
So actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, I, it's because Courtney took the last salad. Nice, nice. Yeah, so Janet had no choice but to get the spaghetti. It's deep. It is deep. I wonder if that means something. I'm too, I'm too hot right now to to think if it does in the plot. But we'll revisit it when we come back around to this in one thousand episodes. <laughs> Gary tries at. He has to tell Janet a secret, so everyone else vamooses. Mm-hmm. Cut to a shot of the dish return system. It's one of those fully automated dealies with a conveyor belt and an elevator and everything. It's very fancy. Courtney puts her tray in there, and it's this kind of a cool tracking shot as we follow the tray down. And uh, just we watch the cafeteria workers collect it and bring it outside. And just as they're bringing the trash outside, Mm -hmm. Courtney is coming around the back of the building and she meets up with them. So she essentially followed her trash from beginning to end. I like it. And we see that the spooky black van is parked there. And it opens. Does it? Yeah. Like just his, just the driver's side door. And it's like ominous, like, uh uh-oh. It's opening. Maybe what you just said about the follows her trash all the way from the beginning to the end is like some sort of comeuppance. But I guess she doesn't really do anything. Everyone else is the sinners. (laughs) Stealing stuff and fornicating and doing all those classic horror movies. Not having salad instead of spaghetti. The cops finally show up and they want to know who made the call earlier about the prank shooting. Because for some reason, they're more angry that someone called the police about this prank shooting than the fact that someone actually did the prank shooting. Well, and may I just say, the sheriff seems to have showed up after, what, two hours? (laughs) Not a very speedy response. So, like... Oh, I mean, Radish is still hanging around, so maybe it wasn't even that long. Good point. Maybe it's just, like, a continuity blurp. But he he's Radish is like, oh, it's just a harmless prank. There's been a misunderstanding. And the sheriff is extremely pissed because he was taken away from his family dinner or something. Yeah, I think think that's what it was. Like, hey, sheriff, you don't have anyone else on staff who can take over while you're eating. Not very (laughs) safe. Thankfully for him, uh, Radish took down the license plate number of the offending van and the cop goes to run them. And while he's doing so, Wild Man starts to like slowly creep off, which makes him look super suspicious because as we know, it was his van. Yeah. And uh, cop finds out that it was his van after he radios in and just as he's like giving him the business, Mark is trying to persuade him. Otherwise, trying to smooth talk him. Oh yeah. He says it's just students blowing off steam, and then the coach shows up and uh, chirps the sheriff a little bit. Didn't you hear about that multiple shooting? Did these guys do it? I thought it was pretty funny myself, didn't you? <laughs> Bulldog hound was in on it, but you know I think I'm gonna take them all in. Maybe bust a few heads. Now, Quentin, that don't sound like you. You used to enjoy a good time till you got so full of yourself. That's a little different. But now, I do remember a time when the library caught on fire and somebody hid the fire hose from the fire department. You guys sat around drinking beer all night, chanting, 
Damn good fire till the place burnt <laughs> something around. Oh, now you think that's funny, though. When you think that's oh, funny. Oh, I thought it was pretty funny, didn't you? Yeah, then the sheriff finally pieces out for the rest of the movie. So <laughs> Yeah, basically until until the end. Well, over the phone even. He never even comes. Yeah, no. We don't see him again for the whole rest of the movie. What a piece of trash. Some lawman. Next, the next election cycle, they should vote him out. And our grand's groundskeeper or uh, campus security guy? It's impossible to tell. His name is Mitch, and he and the coach yeah, is. have a back and forth about going to go hunting. They're both they're planning on going mm-hmm. hunting together, unless Mitch is drunk because the coach doesn't want to go with him if he's drunk. Yeah, fair enough. I don't want to get shot in the ass. By uh, a drunk person. Sober person, totally fine. Yeah. Deer, totally fine. Drunk human, No wrong. thanks. Yeah. Courtney is busy studying as Lisa is packing up, getting ready to leave. So from outside, we see that the killer is approaching. And then it's pretty much exactly like the Halloween shot where Lori sees Michael from outside her bedroom window. Mm-hmm. And... As Lisa's packing, uh, she's talking about the power of female persuasion. And she proves it by sort of going into the hallway and just finding two random dudes and saying, hey, could you help me for a second? And they both come in and finish the last bit of her packing and then help her. Well, not help her. They bring her luggage down to her car for her. And she says, see how easy it is? Yeah. This upsets Courtney. She's sort of jealous. So she heads over to Radishes to ask for some aspirin. Mm -hmm. And while she's there, she laments that life isn't fair. And some people have it so much easier than other people. Oh, life. It's just not fair. No, but... At least it's not fair to everybody. Or is that a paradox? You know, some people have it so much easier. I mean, Lisa. Is it that obvious? It's only logical. You're living with a girl that has a free ride. It looks easy, but she'll pay a price sooner or later. There is no free brunch. They refer to Lisa as having like a free ride and it being so easy because she's so beautiful, and Radish seems to be sort of experiencing a parallel in his life. Yeah. So there's definitely a parallel between, like, Lisa, Janet, and Courtney, and Wild Man Mark and Radish, I thought. Definitely. Definitely. And Courtney does have a barrette in her hair, and that's how you know. She's she's the book girl. A couple of them have (laughs) barrettes in their hair, though. Like, Janet definitely does. Okay. Yeah, for some reason, like, Courtney has been made to look a lot like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, obviously. And like Hermione Granger. Janet has obviously been made to look like PJ Souls from Halloween. Like, yeah, it's the same hairdo and everything. Uh, but anyway, so she heads back to her room but she thinks she sees someone when she's heading back. Yeah, there's but, a shade in the stairwell. Yeah. When she goes to check, there's no one there, obviously. It's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes back to her room and she finds that uh, 
things seem to be moved or missed. Like the book she was just reading, she can't find. And she asked her roommate, have you seen it? And she's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lisa has not seen it until it becomes apparent you can see that it was placed atop the closet door. So as Lisa opens her closet door, the book falls down and gives her quite the fright. She screams. She thinks that it was intentional and done by Courtney. Yeah, one of the greatest but pranks. But Courtney says obviously it wasn't her. And this is when Janet comes in and she's got some exciting news. She's found someone. Oh, Courtney, I'm so glad there's still somebody here. Guess what? until I can rescue him. Personally, I think it might be sexy. But you're not the one covered in ice. Uh, which another Scream 2 reference there, because the same thing happens with Jerry O'Connell in Scream 2. Nice. Sydney's boyfriend. I mean, that's a pretty big... Gary doesn't really make very good decisions. No matter how much you like her, why would you give her the pin? Maybe it's tradition. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be. I mean, neither of us really know Greek life, especially no. Greek life in the 80s. But I, it seems Certainly like that was not. probably a thing that they did. Otherwise, I don't think they would really reference it in, across multiple movies. True. Well, she loses the pin, she thinks. She, yes, yeah, she goes to show it to them, but it's she can't find it until she takes off her sweater. Her and jacket or her jacket, yeah, she's wearing a jacket, and it's pinned inside out on the back of her shirt. Uh-uh. So they're like, "Oh, did you have your shirt on when he pinned it yeah, on?" Yeah, how did that happen? Either that he's very creative. <laughs> um, so Wildman and Mark have decided to crash Radish's room in retaliation for the whole. Uh, license plate situation from earlier which is really unfair because how the fuck would radish know very true yeah but they and it's kind of out of character because at the beginning they definitely seemed like they were friends yeah definitely and then all i guess there's this animosity now because of the whole prank maybe but geez why wouldn't you let us commit a fake mass shooting Radish. Wild man holds Radish up by his belt. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing so, Mark sees the keys for the storage room or the, the gym yep. for to do the inventory. So that's a callback. And he steals them. And then they... They uh, vamoose. Yeah, Mark, I don't know why I keep saying vamoose. Today. I like, like the, it. The word of the day. I like it. Meanwhile... Or I guess it has to be later. First one. Uh, Gary is breaking into the professor's office to steal the test. But uh, when he finally gets his hand on it after 
sneaking up the stairs. Mm-hmm. He is grabbed by his frat brothers. In particular, he's grabbed and uh, hugged from Caressed behind. Almost, yeah. I very. I noted intimate. that too. It's very homoerotic. So Wildman is like standing behind him, essentially bear hugging him. Yeah, like bear hugging him and like getting very close and like it's very like longing glances. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's we're I mean, not reading into this at all, though. I no, definitely it. not. It was pull it up on YouTube. Yeah, watch it. It's very, very super intense. Yeah, uh, I like it though. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. They carry him away now, and uh, they strip him down. They tie him to the tree, and they start spraying him with fire extinguishers, whipped cream, whipped cream. They put ice down his pants, like a lot of ice, and then. That was actually real ice that they oh, put down the actor's no. pants. So he had to had to deal with having actual ice poured down. That would pants. be awful. Yeah. Uh, our side character Elizabeth is a very active participant in all of this. Yeah. Uh, but then she starts to feel bad, so she slowly walks backwards and decides to go get Janet, so Janet can save him. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this blatant <laughs> sexual assault. Mm. Gary tries to plead with them Saying that he loves Janet He really does Mm -hmm. uh, And they leave him tied to the tree Yeah and then she has to come And free him And only her At the dorm Elizabeth is uh, Desperately trying to find Janet Who is still With Courtney Or no she's coming back to see Courtney Because she walks back into the room Yeah, yeah. Yeah so she's coming back to see Courtney Who is playing solitaire you for a minute can't you see that i'm studying janet and Porter psychs her out oh. by saying can you see i'm studying yeah while she's clearly yeah. playing solitaire <laughs> janet just is like oh okay. oh sorry sorry i didn't know like, <laughs> not that she says that but it's so good it's so good but courtney calls her back in yeah and janet is having second thoughts about this whole um whirlwind romance with gary because everyone's making such a big deal out of this pin and she's kind of getting cold feet about it hey you were so happy this afternoon i'm still happy it's just that i'm depressed well then let's hear it well it's gary i'm starting to have doubts oh you are yes but she does say she hasn't felt like this towards a dude since 10th grade so definitely and she's happy she's just depressed <laughs> she she makes a point yeah. of saying, which i really liked and then she says i used to think frats were so cool so this is a ca- cautionary whale against frats and strats <laughs> who knows a little bit who um knows? at the gamma house mark and Wildman are loaded and they are uh Starting to party hardy. Yeah, and in their racist frat house. Yeah. With I the, saw that. There's a like. A crazy uh, Jim Crow figure. Lawn jockey. Yeah. Like, but like the worst. And like a Southern Pride flag. Whatever they're called. I forget. Confederate flag. Yeah, yeah. no thank you. No thanks. Uh, but they get a phone call from a mystery. Well, we see them later. They're two gross dudes. Yeah. And they want speed. Like, For he studying. answers the phone and he's like, uh, you want t- t- 
uh, answers or pills yeah. or something like that. So he's a kingpin in terms of illicit illicit information substances on campus. <laughs> While Wildman is getting ready here, he like uh, takes his shirt off. He's covered in whipped cream, by the way, which... Okay, so this mm-hmm. was a funny thing, too, I noticed. So he's like totally covered in whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, there's a poster of a woman in the background who's like very sexually covered in whipped cream. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So it was sort of like a juxtaposition, I think, is what it was supposed to be because they had, it was like two blondes. That's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he puts on a sweater over the whipped cream and then sprays both pits and his His mouth. mouth Yeah, he sprays deodorant in his mouth. Spray on deodorant. Yeah. Gotta have really bad breath to resort to that, but... It's just me. They're going to go break into the coach's office with Radish's keys and see what sort of pills they can find in there. Because even if they just have pain pills, they can still sell them as speed. Oh, yeah. It's pretty smart, actually. Um, Our poor Gary is still tied up and pleading to the gods for Janet to show up. Because... bitch is always late. That was like immediately I was like, oh, wow, I've lost all respect for you for saying that because this is before cell phones, before pagers even, really. How the fuck is she supposed to know? (laughs) How the fuck is she supposed to know? She needs a good friend to run and tell her, but what if there are no good friends? What then? Tuesdays Uh, on Fox. uh, The groundskeeper or security guard, whatever the hell he is, Mitch shows up and uh, isn't going to help him, but he will pour whiskey down his pants. Yeah, on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Got to get as many employees involved in this as well as possible. Within our dorm, Courtney uh, is telling Janet about her objections to hazing and sorority and fraternity life. And for good reason. Uh, But Janet thinks that Courtney could have pledged, but then Courtney relays a story in which last year a girl killed herself after not being allowed into a sorority. Yeah, she jumped off the tower. I think this might be to put plant a seed maybe of some sort of backstory for yeah. a killer. Potentially. Like maybe at this point they didn't even know. Like wrote it down and it was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> But last year, a girl killed herself because a sorority wouldn't accept her. Oh, how awful. Which sorority? She jumped from the top of McWilliams Tower, six floors. Well, I bet it made them feel terrible. That's the point, Janet. It doesn't matter how bad they felt. It wasn't worth it. But I feel... That would make sense, right? Like if they were like, oh, one of these characters will swing it back around is like their daughter. Or oh, something. yeah. It would have made total sense. <laughs> but um, otherwise, it's it just ends up being all for naught other than as maybe like a moral lesson against the Greek system at the time. Yeah. Boo. Elizabeth finally locates. Yeah, she's screaming for her. And while she's coming down the hall, you get this scene where she picks her wedgie. Yeah, it was very weird. I guess character. Yeah. A lot of character definitely. development in this movie. Maybe Elizabeth is more like the the wild man, and then Gary is like the Janet. Yeah. Yeah. She, well, and like Elizabeth has like the high-waisted jeans, yeah. elastic jeans and everything. But then again, that was 
the look so who am i to say <laughs> uh but yeah she finds janet and janet's gonna go save him by herself yeah and elizabeth sprawls out on courtney's bed who's still playing solitaire and she starts picking up the cards Ruins and then there's the this like really thing. bad adr elizabeth, like, elizabeth? yeah That's great yeah back at our tree somebody has come across poor gary and cuts the rope so he's free yeah very quietly and mysteriously and the whole time he's like oh is that you dan thank god it's you oh, of course it is and this and that and this and this <laughs> yeah and he that. asks if anybody is there and then he answers himself like oh, that's a stupid question there has to be someone there is anybody there that's a stupid question somebody's got to be there I thought that was like one of the cliche meta lines. Yeah, I did like yeah. that too. Uh, and the the whoever it is that's there decides to make themselves the only one there by turning Gary into a corpse yeah, via I, knifing to or death. Or Gary gets stabbed to death. Uh, Janet arrives shortly after. Unfortunately, it's too late for her to reunite with gary in the flesh but his shirt's there yeah uh his shoes and clothes are there Mm -hmm. and in the distance on top of a building she spots the silhouette of a man it's the shape and she assumes that it's gary um so she goes to meet him following a trail of clothes and that she thinks it's like gary trying to be seductive and sexy and i can totally get that but once you get up there and he's not responding, I, this I would be was so terrifying. Interesting too, because I felt again this was pretty early in the craze, but they use this a lot. Like I can think of like the Mutilator, where this happens, couple Fridays, and it's always uh, a man happening upon a woman. And this is the only one I can think of where it's a woman happening upon a man. Yeah. Other I than maybe right Friday that. the 13th part. Well, she doesn't follow clothes, but on Friday the 13th part two, Terry finds the guy hanging from the tree. But this is different. We'll have to keep an eye out and, and another eye out so yeah. that we get parallax vision of it. Janet gets to the roof and the light goes out and then back on. So she takes off because she doesn't want to be fucking up there she knows that it's not gary at this point and it's fucking scary already yeah and then as she's running away she's just about to pass the building when a hand reaches out and grabs her and just drags her into the dark this guy moves so fast yeah he does and he is so strong uh anyways we cut to wild man in the gym with the pills and he's peeping them and riffling through making Sorry, you go. No, I was going to say he's making a huge mess. The reflection of his personality. I th- They're doing this on purpose, though, right? To get back at Radish because the coach is going to think it was Radish who did this for oh, some reason. True. That's definitely something Radish yeah. would do. So he's ripping the place apart looking for these pills. And um, he finds them. And then he, like, breaks the head off of one of the statues out of anger. Yeah, he goes to leave. That's another thing that happens in Scream 3, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, Jenny McCarthy accidentally breaks the head off of one of... Just like in the Goonies, yeah. <laughs> when they break the penis off. Dun, dun, dun. Um, 
And Wildman's walking out. He's strutting out of the gym victorious when suddenly the lights go out and the scoreboard above him, like for basketball, goes on. Yeah, there's a two-minute timer up on the up on the board there. And he, he starts yelling to see yeah, if there? he knows who's there. Uh, there's no answer, so he goes and turns the lights back on. And when he turns them back on, the killer is standing yeah. there. The, sh- the shape, the shadow. I guess because he's an idiot, wild man charges at him. Screaming, like, I'm going to take this guy on, even though he has a knife. Yeah, uh, but the killer obviously overpowers him. And there's this uh, very intense Halloween ripoff music playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, this. definitely. And the fight ends up moving into the weight room. Where, where the shape wraps the string from like a, a pull down part of the weight machine around his neck and then just basically says hey machine you take him murder him yeah and he's like beat the shit out of wild oh, man definitely. like pretty pretty intensely for an 80s movie i liked it that uh, and he dies just as the timer hits to zero yeah guess uh, scores one there was actually almost a V-bad accident while they were filming this scene mm-hmm. because uh, so they had this stunt coordinator guy who was actually the killer as well. Um, he was there for the long shots, but then when it, it's just like the close-up shot of him like strangling, yep. um, they did that without the stunt supervision. Mm. So he actually was like almost hanging himself like his they said his body started like convulsing and he passed out and everything hey that's method acting man yeah and they realized he wasn't acting so they saved him just in time where was he <laughs> we'll never know but unfortunately no one saved him in time in the movie or fortunately he was kind of a garbage person but anyway uh radish arrives at courtney's room with a thing of irish whiskey that he drinks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think this was supposed to cast him as a red herring as well because Wild Man was drinking that whiskey. Oh. But anyway, so he arrives at Courtney's room with uh, some Irish whiskey that he says he drinks at the end of every semester. Yeah, let's celebrate the end of term. Yeah, she tries some, but she thinks it's gross. And he asks her why she never locks her door. Which she never does. Everyone is just, it's like a revolving door. Everyone in this movie is just constantly walking in and out of her room. Which is truly terrible. What did you think of these uh, dorm rooms, by the way? Uh, Pretty good for an American university, I will say. Pretty accurate. I liked the furniture in them a lot. There was it was real pastiche of different <laughs> shit all thrown together, just like it would be in reality. I guess it helps that it was filmed in like an actual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she never locks her door. Definitely very accurate. No one ever does. It's terrible. <laughs> it's so stupid. The two of them flirt, and uh, she agrees to lock her door mm-hmm. uh, after. She goes into this whole spiel about how he's paranoid about uh, psychos being around every yeah, corner. Murderers are everywhere. Every day for no reason at all. Perfect strangers wake up in the morning and decide, hmm, I think it's a good day to snuff somebody. And there are people who eat in our restaurants with us, use our highways, and vote for the president, which probably explains something about him, too. 
So he leaves to go do his inventory. Why is it that you can always make me laugh? Uh, I gotta go do my inventory for the coach. Tonight? Well, sometime. May as well be tonight. And he walks to the other door. And he's like, oh, what's that wrong comes with into you? the room. Yeah. And uh, Courtney knows he's there. And she opens it. And he tells her that she also has a pretty face. Prettier than Lisa's. Because there's more there. <laughs> and then they say goodbye. And he's in disbelief of what he he said. Yeah. He's like, why did you just Kind of proud of himself, I guess. Yeah. That was stupid, kid. I can't believe you said that. Uh, and then he walks away to do uh, the fun inventory. Yep. Yeah. Mark is pulling up to the rec center to find Wild Man, but instead he only finds pills on the ground. Yeah, which he eagerly scoops up. As he's scooping them up, he finds Wild Man's corpse shoved upside down and stuffed into one of the lockers. And he, probably the first uh, intelligent or like effective I should say decision this whole movie he fucking sprints out of this building in the DVD commentary they really fucking shit on this actor really yeah like it's only interviews with um, Courtney Janet and uh, Joel S. Rice uh, Radish okay and yeah they're not very complimentary about his performance like just that he was a bad actor was yeah. he a bad person like, as well that he phoned it in essentially i see i see that's interesting yeah very interesting <laughs> he hears a noise and he takes off to go to his car mm-hmm. but his car is starting so he knows that someone's in his car yeah, the headlights flash reminds me of uh our movie from last week i know what you did last time oh, with yeah, Barry. yeah yeah uh but anyway so he, he runs back yeah, yeah he runs back inside and finds some keys is able to lock the door and he's locked himself in with all of these boilers i guess yeah like giant giant industrial machines you know the ones that are in every university <laughs> uh and he's running through there there's also a, a extremely large amount of danger signs. Oh yeah, and I don't know if that's real or if it was just this weird set decoration. On thing. every goddamn door, it says like extreme danger, which naturally means he's gonna go through one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. And as he does, yeah, he sees the exit sign in the distance. Oh, it's almost there. He can taste it, and um, all it's plastic. Much glory. like Helen Shivers, he's almost there when. The killer jumps out and kills him. Stabs him right through the chest. Jumps out of like a cardboard tube that's in the hallway. A big cardboard tube. (laughs) Which is like a jack-in-the-box. It's pretty good. Radish arrives at the gym and he finds Mark's body, which has also been stuffed into a locker. And he starts to freak out because it's happening. It's happening here. So he goes to the almost immediately adjacent to the corpse phone. You can still see the corpse in the background. And he calls 911, patches through the sheriff. And he's like, hey, sheriff, um, the there's a corpse here for real this time, for real. And the yeah, sheriff is having none of it. They think it's a joke still, despite how insistent Radish is about the whole thing. And the fact that the sheriff, like, threatened his life. Yeah, the sheriff <laughs> fucking sucks, though. Yeah. Which uh, Radish knows because he 
says he's just going to take yeah. charge himself. I'll take charge. <laughs> so he runs out and away across campus. Um, all the while, while this is happening, mm-hmm. we're getting little intercut scenes of Lisa playing her piano. Mm-hmm. Because she did mention earlier that she had like one more recital, indicating that she's like a music major, I guess. Uh so she hears a noise while she's practicing and she assumes it's her professor boyfriend for the midnight rendezvous that we mentioned earlier. It's a callback. (laughs) Uh, So she goes to try and find him uh, and Radish has arrived all the way back to Courtney's Mm -hmm. just as he gets to the door and screams her name. It breaks and a hand drags his face inside. Like the shining style. Yeah. Like breaks through the door. Was, what year was the shining? 1980? I'm not Two? sure, actually. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Uh, Courtney isn't there because she's downstairs at the vending machine getting a soda, a cola. So she's not there to watch her friend be murdered through a door. Yeah, no. Unfortunately. And she didn't lock her door. Which even she though she said have. she would. Yeah, good point. I didn't realize that. She promised. Not smart. Always lock your doors, kids, followers, listeners, viewers. <laughs> so the shape uh, creeps up into the room with all the paintings where Lisa is. Yeah, Lisa's in this art studio um, filled with pictures of naked blondes painted from the back. So I think we're to assume that this is her, like she posed for the art class. Ah, I like it. Um, So she, I guess that's where she wanted to be there too. Like she told him to meet her there. So she wanted to be, maybe she thought it was sexy to be amongst all of these portraits of herself. Yeah, it's like fucking surrounded by nudes yeah (laughs) or like mirrors she undresses and wraps herself in this gross satin blanket that i can't imagine would ever be comfortable white satin not something you want to have sex on she lays down in the same pose as the pictures meanwhile courtney comes back up from her uh vending machine run and she finds radish through her door but opposite to how he died like he's coming from inside it's like i think he has like an arm out and his head definitely out and she's immediately shocked and then she's like this is just a joke stop it radish that's not funny i mean it come on you scared me to death come on radish I want you to move. Come on, smile. She doesn't want it to be true. And as she does so, the door closes from inside and she screams and tries to find help on her floor. So Mm -hmm. she runs downstairs and she finds our handyman security guard guy, Mitch, presumably dead while in this in this truck. He's non-responsive to her. Maybe he's passed out drunk. Who knows? (laughs) Oh, that's true. Uh, That could be the situation. I don't know. I just assumed he was dead. He should be dead. There was like something sticking out of him. Oh, I like it. 
Uh, I'm fine with him being dead, though. <laughs> Lisa is upstairs getting stabbed. Like, the mm-hmm. killer sneaks up behind her, grabs her by the face, and then starts a stabbing, and the blood is spraying all over the different portraits of what I thought was her. So yeah. I thought that was a pretty cool yeah, shot, signed, too, actually. Signed by the model in her <laughs> yeah, own way. True. And he, like, gets straight to killing her, too. Like, he grabs her face, stabs her, it's over. Yeah, there's quick. not a yeah. lot of... This guy doesn't really do the whole... No. Talk and chalk. Yeah. yeah. So Courtney has arrived at the same building that Lisa just died in. I don't know how this guy's so fast. He's so fast. <laughs> He's so fast. Uh, so she's trying to find Lisa or the professor. The professor, I think, is another red herring because he just totally disappears and we Very never hear from him again. Point, yeah. Uh, but instead, she finds the killer standing in one of the rooms. So she slams the door shut and runs. Yeah. And so our final chase begins. And the the music here really reminded me of The Shining with the. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what that's called. It's a percussion <laughs> instrument where you hit a wooden box with like a little listeners right in. Yeah, I don't. Send us these boxes, please. <laughs> um, anyways, the she runs away, locks, shuts the killer out, and she runs into the basement of the dining hall cafeteria. Yeah, she uh, climbs through the window of the dining area from earlier, mm-hmm. and he's hot on the trail. We hear and see him break through the window. Um, she goes to the kitchen where she searches for and finds a, a knife. And then she starts barricading the doors while she tries to call the police. But the phone does not call off campus. It's an inter-campus phone only. And unfortunately, the conveyor belt has sprung to life. And the killer is slowly lowering himself down. Not just food waste, also <laughs> human waste. She sees him in the mirror, and again, she runs away, leaving the knife with the phone. Mm-hmm. She didn't really leave the nice knife with the phone. It's just like a deleted scene because um, she does stab him, I guess. Oh, and true. You can see that he has a chest wound, and the knife is like sticking into mm-hmm. it, but it, it's not supposed to be there. It's a goof. My favorite kinds of goofs, yeah. chest wounds. So she knocks him out uh, after getting him to look in the fridge Mm because she's tricky. And then she locks the fridge. But unfortunately, the double door comes back into play. Yeah. And he bursts through the other one. And then she, while he is searching for her, she bursts out of a closet or something and gives him a huge walking with the walk yeah smashes him in the back yeah, of the yeah head. that's what i meant before like when oh. she knocks him out into yeah, the sorry. fridge first yeah uh and the music now is a back to its halloween ripoff route <laughs> yes so she runs um across campus back to the building from our first scene with the the tower that i think is also the dorm building i'm not sure because again i'm not is. sure why she wouldn't just go back to one of the rooms uh I guess it's like her safe space though because we know she like hung out there and stuff. So she runs up into the tower and he follows her of course because duh. And the coach is outside. He's showing up 
to uh, meet with Mitch to go hunting. So yeah. he's in like full hunting regalia. In the middle of the night. Yeah, midnight. And naturally, <laughs> uh, he has brought his bow. Yeah. So when he realizes that someone's in trouble, I think he hears someone screaming, help me or something. Yeah, someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Courtney. Courtney, she's the only one left yeah. alive. <laughs> so Sorry. Courtney's yeah. upstairs. Uh, she hears the horn of the car because he's honking to try and uh, attract Mitch's attention. Mm-hmm. And she starts screaming for help that there's a killer in there. And he grabs his bow and uh, starts to head upstairs behind the killer. Yeah. And it is a giant circular staircase. There's no elevator in this building, it yeah, would no. seem. It was almost like Hitchcocky. I thought. Yeah. Like very vertigo. Yeah. It would have sucked to have to run up all these stairs just to get to the top where there's no escape. The killer is very close to Courtney. And the coach starts threatening him, like, not to Yeah, don't touch to her, touch get her. away from her. So he draws his bow, and he shoots the arrow, but the killer catches it. Like, he's so fast. Yeah, man. Like, he moves like um, the $6 million man. Yeah, yeah. Like, robotic almost? <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. And he uses the arrow to, in turn, stab the coach through the chest and then turn his attention back to a very loudly screaming Oh, yeah, she's screaming for her life. Um, But thankfully, you gotta love uh, post-secondary institutions that aren't willing to invest in their infrastructure because... His foot goes through a rotten floorboard. Mm -hmm. She grabs uh, a big board and Mm -hmm. she's all poised to hit him when his foot goes through the floor, giving her a chance to get the upper hand. So she starts hitting him with it and he drops the knife and then we watch the knife fall all the way back down to the main floor. That's a long way. And uh, just then he like starts crawling out into the middle like on these uh these wooden planks yeah he's like trying to get yeah, away from like her a giant monkey bar. Wood bar and then uh he falls all the way down it's a long way just as long as the knife <laughs> lands with a thud and she heads down to all those fucking stairs yeah all those stairs <laughs> and just as she is approaching he grabs her by the ankle and like why don't walk that close to him without first but mm. I guess when you're emotional, yeah, almost murdered. It doesn't matter anyway because she grabs the knife and then she really fucking goes to town. She stabs him so many times. Like 15 times? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Least. It's like over and over and over. It was and over really and over good. Again. It was very good. Yeah. Not just the one triumphant stab. Oh, definitely. This is one of the better final girl confrontations at the end. Mm-hmm. Even if like her character isn't the greatest. Not the worst either, thank you. Oh, no, definitely. There's much, much, much (laughs) worse characters. Uh, I liked her better than Julie James, like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, So after she demolishes this guy and turns him into human pudding, uh, she walks outside and, like, puts her head in her lap, and then the credits roll. The end. You did it. (laughs) Good job. Definitely. Uh, I don't know. I really like this movie. It was really good. Yeah. It was uh, very yeah. 80s. <laughs> like, good for a cheesy 80s movie. It's not it, It's not the best, but it's definitely not the worst. I will give it a Savine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I 
couldn't find a lot about this movie and this seems like it's a couple weeks in a row now so i feel like i'm really slacking yeah you're not slacking if there's nothing to be found (laughs) but i did find some stuff and uh so i'll i'll talk about that and i'll start with our six degrees of jamie lee i'm so excited yeah it's actually a pretty good one i think so Sherry Willis Birch, who played Janet in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, she only has two acting credits ever. It was this one, and then a 1986 horror movie called Killer Party. And in that movie, uh, Howard Busgang is in that, and he played Ed, the guy in the Groucho costume in Terror Train. Oh, and Jamie Lee Curtis was obviously in Terror Train. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's a small world. It is. I guess. After all. I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where we can't link link to her, but it's fun to do, so we're going to keep doing it. Maybe when we watch those really obscure Indonesian horror movies, yeah. where it's like... Like rah! like all of those ones we've definitely watched yeah, before. Yeah, all of those ones, mm-hmm. you know. Constantly watching these movies. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the movie was shot over six weeks in North Carolina, North Carolina seems to be a popular yeah. place to shoot horror movies. North Kakalaki, as I will say forever. Uh, and it was shot... There's a little bit of discrepancy here. Mm-hmm. Um, some sources said it was shot between September and October 1980. I did also see September and October 1979, but I think it was almost certainly 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh the guy who played Radish said that they shot over the summer, but I couldn't find any corroborating evidence to say that it was shot in the summer. I think it was just like, I don't know. He was it probably exists confused. outside of time. That's all that's important. <laughs> the director, Jimmy Houston, wanted to avoid a lot of the slasher cliches and focus more on the characters uh, than the violence and the gore. And I will definitely give this movie that. There is a lot of character development, yeah, even if lot. there's not a lot of plot. And uh, a lot of the negative criticism even about this movie is about it being like uh, kind of like animal, more animal house mm, than, than a horror movie. That makes sense. And I definitely get that. There are a lot of jokes in it, but I feel like it's sort of ahead of its time in yeah. terms of, some light incidents. Well, yeah, stabbing. you know, before Ryan Murphy invented the horror comedy. Oh, God. God bless him. Patron saint <laughs> of the horror comedy, Ryan Fox Media Murphy. Uh, so you, most of the film, uh, like the crew were friends with the writer-director, and a lot of the, the crew ended up working as like extras and bit parts. So the dialogue coach, Sam Kilman, and interesting to note that uh, Cecile Baghdadi, who plays uh, our final girl, she said she has no idea why they had a dialect coach. I don't know either. (laughs) I don't know either. Uh, So their dialect coach, Sam Kilman, uh, played the sheriff, the uh, dolly grip, Gene Poole, played the cafeteria worker and uh the like elizabeth was a production assistant uh one of the producers played and this is a quote from a tidbit here a curly-haired student in red sweater (laughs) oh it's the very competitive role (laughs) that all the actresses want 
and then um, theater grads from the University of North Carolina and Appalachian State University were used as uncredited cast members. So I think that was, I don't know, good for them. It was non-union, a non-union mm. movie. Um, I would feel like those are rare nowadays, or then a days. As far as the leads go, Joel S. Rice saw an ad in a local trade paper and went in and auditioned. And they narrowed it down to five actors for each part. And he was in the middle of a cross-country road trip with his friend before going back for his senior year of college. But he kept having to fly back and forth to do the different audition processes. That sucks. So he just had to like stop doing it. And his friend had to finish the road trip alone. And Sherry Willis-Birch, our Six Degrees of Jamie Lee, uh, was a student at UCLA. And she was also a secretary for motion picture marketing, which is the company that made the film. Oh, it's convenient. And when they found out she was an actress, they gave her the role without having to audition. Nice. Yeah. Cecile Big Daddy, who plays Courtney uh, came straight from theater in LA. Like that's where she was found. Uh, this is her only film credit. And she had to scream, obviously, as part of her yeah. audition. Uh, and in an interview, she says that she almost wasn't cast because she was a bad screamer. But then the director said that he loved her scream and they liked her scream so much that her screams are actually dubbed over the other actors screams. Nice. So she's like all of the screams, the lady screams in the movie. I hope she gets residuals <laughs> for the Foley. Yeah. Uh, Timothy L. Rayner, who plays the killer says that he was cast because he had a friend that had worked with the director, Jimmy Houston, and they introduced him to the director and then he got an audition and the director was impressed with his martial arts ability and how he was able to handle a weapon. Martial arts. Yeah. So he was cast and is credited as both uh, the actor playing the killer and the fight coordinator. Hmm. That is interesting. It seems like a much better movie for a pastiche thrown together, non-union, <laughs> than it actually was. Like, Especially a lot of the camera work was really good. Yeah. Uh, it was actually shot in kind of a unique way because it was more or less shot in sequence as well. Oh, that's rare. So the actors would leave production as they got killed off. And apparently as a send-off during the shooting of the murder scenes, the cast and crew would sing Another One Bites the Dust. It's kind of cute. pretty cute. Uh, like I said before, it was a non-union job. Uh, so they didn't have craft services and the cast would just go to a nearby restaurant for lunch. And Joel Rice uh, said that one day after his death scene, he had to go right after because they didn't want him to like mess up his blood. So they had to reapply it. Uh -huh. So he went like covered in fake blood <laughs> and the uh, restaurant was nonplussed. Yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. there. But what are you going to do? You got to suffer for our obviously it was also made on a pretty small budget mm -hmm. so it was made on a budget of three hundred and seventy four thousand dollars shit and it ended up grossing three million so that's a pretty good return yeah but yeah not not exactly halloween numbers three million yeah uh it wasn't very well received at the time uh being in the first post halloween 
wave of slashers. Like, this was really the first wave of slashers. Oh, I can see that. Uh, I think there was three or four that came out in 1981 alone. So, uh, actually, Cecile Big Daddy and... Joel S. Rice, so Courtney and Radish, mm-hmm. were signed to a three-picture deal if the film was a success, which it wasn't. Ooh. So, like I said, that this is her only film credit. Uh, he is a producer now, so he's he's doing well. Um, but a lot of the criticism seems to come from the lack of the on-screen blood. They had a low blood budget. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the fact that the killer is entirely incidental. Like, there, Yeah. No backstory given. Nothing. And you don't see his face for, like, most of the movie until, I don't know, when they're fighting in the dining hall mm-hmm. or cafeteria. And, like, the whole time I was like, oh, we're going to see his face and it's going to be someone <laughs> or, like, a mask I, or something. I did read one thing uh, where they said that they thought the idea was that uh, Radish willed him into existence. Okay, I wrote that down too. I was okay. like, did see? Look, did Radish the secret the murderer? Yeah, that, I guess that was potentially what happened. Yeah, and then he killed his own creator, like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, man. Good. Well, I'm gonna choose to believe that because I also thought of it. So uh, completely independently, despite the the negative criticism, it does get like pretty good feedback in terms of its character development because honestly i think in terms of that and a lot of the character interactions this really stands out ahead of other movies from the time where they were just like two-dimensional i have blonde hair yeah yeah you kind of cared about these characters don't kill me yeah i'd say janet was my favorite i was really invested in her and i'm sad that she died yeah and that we didn't even get to see it or see what happened to her. She got pulled around the corner. Yeah. Didn't she? Yeah. It's a Poor common form of death, murder, <laughs> corner pulling. But that's all I have. That's all I have. It's too. hard to find stuff about this movie. For now it is. But we're going to go on an adventure and bust open some, some hidden safes. <laughs> uh, explore some Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Uh, I guess realistically, though, we're gonna blow the lid right off this. How much do you remember about uh, six weeks of your life, even like fifteen years ago? I think I was still in school, (laughs) so like doing school shit, probably like schooling around, uh, going to school class, taking school notes, and uh, generally just just academying. Yeah, man. (laughs) Well, on that note. Uh, let's not forget, let's remember to share social media, which is Deaf First Blood. Indeed. The... Twitter yeah. is at Deaf First Blood. Instagram is at Definitely First Blood. Uh, obviously, you're listening to us some way. So, whether that's through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, um, or our website. But yeah. Voice to Skull Transmission. This, oh, this was our 20th episode, by the way. Oh, was our, it? Yeah, totally no fanfare at all from us, but I think that's pretty exciting. I'll, I'll set off a confetti <laughs> popper while we're asleep Yeah, so we can clean it up tomorrow morning. Uh, next week, it is Friday the 13th. Oh, shit. And it will be Mitch's birthday episode. Oh. 
So that's exciting. And I think yeah. we'll fuck it. Let's just do Friday the 13th, yeah. right? Yeah. It's my 10th birthday. Why not? <laughs> I mean, how often do Friday the 13th happen? Never. And ever. There's 10, 11 Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So that'll last us like a while. At yeah, least. at least 11 Friday the 13th. So I think that's good. But I like it. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We are going to go turn our air conditioning back on because we're dying. So. Yeah. yeah. So goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.